Welcome to Boxing Junkie Podcast. Uh, I'm Bob Vellen, and with me today, as always, is Mike Coppinger. Uh, today, our special guest is Andre Ward, former world champion, the last American male to win a gold medal in the Olympics, and he's going to be fighting on March 26th against Sullivan Barrera in Oakland. How's it going today, Andre? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be on. Well, thanks for being on. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I saw a little piece uh, on you that you compared yourself to Floyd Mayweather as he got older, and how you, how you, uh, you know, have to work a little differently in a ring. Uh, can you can you talk about that a little bit? Um, I know you're you're not quite Floyd's age. You're only you're only what 31, but uh, yeah, I'll be 32 uh, in a couple of weeks. Yes, sir. Yeah, does it get a little tougher for you to? Uh, to to train and and uh and once you're in the ring uh you know I've, I've i've been at it you know some people just look at your age and they don't they don't know the history you know i started at nine years old so you know it's 20 plus years of a pretty much non-stop i mean i've had short breaks when you know i've played sports in high school and different things like that but you know, i never really fully stopped boxing so that, that's almost 20 plus years of of uh you know training extremely hard and i don't you know i don't say that I'm the, you know, hardest working guy ever in sports, but I know I have this, you know, work ethic that is uh, uh, just, you know, sometimes extreme, you know, and I have to be pulled back and, and my coach has to really keep an eye on me. And that's just how I'm wired. Like I only know one speed and that's go, you know, my switch is either on or off. So, you know, at some point in time, you know, the body, you know, it starts to have enough and, you know, things start to happen. And um, I still have the passion and the desire, but, you know, I'm very intentional about, you know, punching my clock, you know, when I go to the gym, you know, a lot more than I was when I was younger. So, yeah, I saw, I heard you on a conference call yesterday say that you're you're daring to be great, and the reason you're going to light heavyweight is to do something historical, and, you know, fight Sergey Kovalev, try to clean out the division and be uh, be the guy at two different divisions. Uh, what inspired you to do that? Well, I think, you know, first thing was first was, you know, when I came into the professional ranks in 2004, uh, I thought I would be able to fight it at 160 pounds. You know, I'd, I'd won a gold medal in, in 2004 at 178, but I was only weighing about 170. I uh, should have been in the lower weight class. I thought I was going to grow. It didn't grow like I thought I was. And, you know, it was really undersized, uh, but still came out on top. And I figured, well, wow, you know, I could drop 10 pounds and campaign at middleweight and then eventually go up. So I tried that, you know, a couple fights, and it just it just didn't feel right. And we went up shortly after my pro debut and, you know, didn't know the Super 6 was going to come, didn't know anything like that. I just knew that, you know, I wanted to be a champion. That was my first goal, and I accomplished that, you know, through uh, fighting in a tournament, you know, that was called the Super 6 back in 2009. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the last couple of years, it's been, it's been rough trying to get other 68-pounders in the ring with me, you know, for one reason or another, whether it's politics, uh, disagreements with the promoters, or just them not wanting to fight me, so... Um, the next logical thing to do is to look up a weight class, and, and that's what I'm doing. You know, I know you. I know you had the legal battles for a very good reason, and you were fighting what you're, for what you believe in. But do you ever regret the years you lost, or, or at the end of the day, are you happy for doing what you felt was right? Not at all. Not at all. I think. I think sometimes people, you know, sometimes based on the things that are written, people think it was three, four, or five years. It was, you know, it was a year and some change, which is a long time, but. Uh, it's too long, but you know, that, you know, coupled with an injury, you know, it was right around, 
maybe I guess getting close to two years, but no, not at all. I mean, you know, every, every individual uh, has decisions to make in life and not just athletes, but specifically athletes and specifically boxers, you know, I've studied this sport for a very long time and, and, you know, intellectually I knew some of the things that went on, but to experience it was a whole nother ball game. So I just, you know, I, I just never wanted to be an individual who, you know, was away from his family at training camps, you know, took punches, dished out punches, went through everything that we go through and yet, you know, was not compensated properly or just wasn't pleased with the business side of boxing. You know, I'm doing my family, I'm doing myself a disservice if I just fight. And there is a business aspect to things. And some guys are more, you know, eager to learn about it than others. I will, I was one of the guys who wanted to know every detail and was very hands-on. And when I ran into that situation, I had to do what I had to do. And, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not happy that that happened, but I'm pleased with myself uh, with the stance that I took. Does, does, did you, did you find, I mean, was it good for the body and the soul to, to take that time away from the sport a little bit and, and get your, get your mind straight and do whatever you needed to do to get ready to fight again? That's a great question. Um, the, the physical aspect of things, you know, I, I know my body thanked me. I know my body thanked me as much as we would like to fight. You know, the fans would like us to fight three, four or five times a year. It's just a lot. You know, it just really is, especially when you're fighting at a championship level, you know, really the it's two to three times a year. If you're fighting top competition, I mean, rarely a guy will fight, you know, four times a year at the highest level. So that rest physically was, was needed. You know, I didn't take any punches for that, you know, extended period of time. I, you know, I was training, but I was more on cruise control. I wasn't beating my body up and it got to rest. And mentally, it was it was a tug of war. I mean, I was, you know, I got to clear my mind, but I had, you know, so much pressure on me and, and, and just so much that I was dealing with uh, where mentally I didn't get to get a chance to rest, maybe like you would think I would have. But mm. it was good because I didn't get a chance. Like, I could not. I literally could not do something that I, that I loved to do, that I wanted to do. You know, there was money going out, but no money coming in. And, and for any man, you know, of his household, that's a tough situation to live with. But it made me stronger. It, it really tested my faith. And, um, you know, again, it's something that I'm able to help guys today with guys are calling my phone today because they know that I've been through that and they want advice. So, you know, it, it worked out. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things you did was, uh, you, you worked on the movie Creed. Um, and how much fun was it working with Michael B. Jordan on the set and, and, and doing the sparring with those guys? I was phenomenal. I, I didn't know I could have so much fun being involved in something like that. I mean, Ryan Coogler, the director, we're from the same area, same part of town. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have mutual friends and we had been hearing about each other. We finally got a chance to have a luncheon and he pretty much told me I have a specific script for you. I was like, wow, really? And he was like, man, I got it laid out. I had you in mind. And, you know, I read it and I liked it. And, and next thing I knew, I was in Philadelphia, you know, filming with, with Michael B. Jordan and, and again, you know, Ryan Coogler and uh, Sylvester Stallone and just the whole crew. And it was just a phenomenal experience. A lot of work, though. People don't realize how much work goes into that. I mean, that one fight scene took a whole 12-hour day nonstop, just repetitive oh, scenes over and over and over until we perfected it. I mean, I was going back to my room, icing my shoulder and taking Epsom off ass. And we weren't even really making, you know, a lot of contact, but it's just a lot of work and, and most importantly, a lot of fun. Sometimes it's even tougher, you know, trying not to make, contact like like that right i mean instead of just letting it go i mean th- yeah it seemed like that would be kind of tiring just you know doing that kind of uh yeah. work 
over and over and over again. That's right. Physically and mentally, because you have to stay in character and that, that's the tough part. And, mm-hmm. you know, our stuntmen who were, who were there, I mean, I did my part and, and, and Michael B. Jordan did his part. The stuntmen help us, you know, choreograph the punches and they were, you know, telling like, Hey, you're doing the, you're, you're throwing the correct punches and we need to undo that. We need you to throw them, you know, wider and, and, and more looping to, you know, for emphasis. And so it was, it was a learning curve. It was a learning curve. And, and, and again, it was a lot of fun, but, you know, I have really had to focus to stay in character the whole time. Yeah, I, I talked to Michael uh, before fight night here in D.C. a couple months ago, and he said he was awestruck by by uh, sparring with you. And 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 I I hear that Michael's a pretty good boxer himself. Yeah, he. One thing I really appreciate. Yeah, one thing I really appreciated about him was even before the official uh, filming took place, he came out to my gym in the Bay Area, and we spent a couple of days together going over the scene and and just getting a feel of each other. And he really lived the role. Like people, I don't think they realized that like he had a personal trainer. Uh, he entrenched himself in, in, in the culture of boxing. You know, he only had one cheat day, I think, which was a Sunday, but he had to be on a specific diet. He went to bed at a certain time. Like he lived like a fighter. And I think that's why he did such a great job. You know, um, Andre, when I look at someone like you, uh, a guy who won the super six, you know, American, um, charismatic and you know you, you do all the right things I, I thought you'd be a star by, by now and for some reason it hasn't happened um do, do you why do you why do you think that has it hasn't happened and you, do you think that it's you know that it's about to happen well i mean i think that's a you know a relative statement i think it's it, it's who you it's who you talk to i mean what what is a star in the sport of boxing you know this guy says he's a star this guy says he isn't like what what is a star i i don't know guy. well again i don't i don't know i don't know what you know, I guess it's up for, you know, debate and it's up for, you know, an individual's opinion. I mean, I have, um, you know, a lot of big endorsements. I have, you know, a lot of great relationships, you know, in, in corporate America. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied from the standpoint of I'm not, I'm not searching for anything. You know what I mean? Like I, I've, I've done everything that I've wanted to do in this sport, probably except fighting a major pay-per-view. And, um, you know, I've done, I've done pretty much everything that was on, on my bucket list to do as a fighter. And, um, you know, but as far as, you know, who's a star and who isn't a star, I mean, it, it, it's, it's tricky, man. It's tricky business. There's not too many guys that I know of over the years that, that, that had the kind of success that maybe a Floyd Mayweather had. I mean, that's rare. That's going to come every so often. You have a Canelo Alvarez who, you know, he has a country behind him. You know, you have Miguel Cotto. He has a country behind him. So it, it's just tricky. You know, it's not something that happens. But I think sometimes we get so caught up in looking for – the next Floyd Mayweather, we forget everybody that's, you know, kind of beneath them. It's a lot of guys that, that do have tremendous fan bases. It may not be, they may not be selling a million pay-per-views, but again, who else is selling that, those kind of numbers right now? It, it's very rare. So I'm just content with being who I am and doing what I do and, 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 you know, let the chips fall where they may. But if you, you know, if you beat a guy like Sergey Kovalev and cannot bring you to the next level, I mean, you would think so. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, again, all I can do is be myself. I, I can't make the writers write good about me. I can't make certain people, like people who like know me and take the time to, to get to know me. Um, and I don't mean this in a, you know, in a, in a, in a disrespectful way or in a, you know, arrogant way, but, you know, they, they have, you know, nothing but nice things to say because, you know, I'm a genuine individual and, and I'm a likable individual, but individuals who stand off from afar and kind of have opinions, that's what it's going to be. They're never going to understand me. They're going to continue to write articles like, oh, the mystery of Andre Ward and just things like that, because 
they never sought to understand. And I understand that dynamic. And I feel like I have some reasons, you know, I know the reasons for some of the things that go on, you know, with the media, but I'm not going to, you know, be banging the horn about this stuff. Every time I get an opportunity, man, it's, I've been a, I've been able to be a tremendous blessing to a lot of people, man, whether it's fighters or individuals across my path, man, it's a lot of great things happening in my life and in my career. And I don't always broadcast this stuff, but man, I'm, I'm blessed, man. I really am. So, so what's your perfect plan for this year? Do you have another fight after this in between a fight with Kovalev in November, or do you go straight to it? Well, I'm letting my team work on that. And, you know, right now it's just about Sullivan Barrera. And, you know, we'll let that, that you know, kind of play itself out. But at the end of the day, you know, the goal is to have all the belts in the light heavyweight division. How how has it been with Rock Nation? Are, are you happy with uh, with having signed with them? Yeah, I'm pleased with it. I mean, obviously, you know, there's there's things they're figuring out and things they're learning being a new company, but um, they're fast learners. Um, obviously, you know, they're very successful in everything that they touch from the, you know, the music business to, you know, being sports agents to uh, being, you know, um, you know, getting endorsements for the team. I mean, they, they, they wear so many different hats and, and they've learned a lot about the boxing game uh, uh, very quickly. So I'm pleased and uh, I'm just looking forward to the future. You know, I really like your work as an analyst for HBO. Is that something you see yourself doing uh, full time after you uh, hang up the gloves? Man, if I, I if I would if if I'm afforded the opportunity, absolutely. I mean, that's that's something that uh, you know is a dream job of mine. When you know I first laid eyes on Roy Jones Jr. You know, at 10 and 11 years old, that was the first guy that you know that I ever laid eyes on. I said, wow, you know that's my favorite fighter and it was what he did inside the ring but also you know what he did outside the ring you know starting square square ring promotions his own promotional company when you know a lot of people told him he was crazy and then also being an analyst and when I saw Roy become an analyst analyst I knew that that's what I wanted to do and that's something that me and Virgil who's you know my lifelong trainer my godfather we had that you know in, in a notepad somewhere where he wrote that down and said that that's something that I was going to do one day so to get the opportunity on HBO I think is 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 just unbelievable and and hopefully in the future that's something that I can do uh, full time are you close with Roy today yeah we have a really good relationship mm-hmm. would, would you like to see him do you like does it bother you that he's still fighting like you know at 47 when he's like taking his damage or is that more of a thing where you want a guy, a guy to see you just do what he wants to do? Because a lot of people want him to retire. I mean, I respect the fact that, you know, Roy has his own mind. He, you know, he always has. And, you know, he, he's stubborn about what he wants. And, and, you know, on one end, you have to respect that. But, no, I don't I don't want to see, uh, you know, my childhood hero and, and, you know, my idol Roy Jones, you know, get knocked out or, or, or get beat up. Uh you know, like, 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 you know, pretty much has been happening over the last three, four or five years, even longer than that. I hate it. You know, I really don't like it. And, you know, personally, I would love to see him retire, you know, and that's no disrespect to Roy. I just, it's just not worth it, man. He's uh he's Roy Jones Jr. And, um, you know, personally, no matter what happens, you know, his, his legacy, I don't forget what he did, you know, in his heyday. Um, I don't forget the fact that he's, you know, former heavyweight champion. I don't forget those things. So his legacy is intact in terms of my mind, but you know, at the end of the day, man, we only have one brain and we have one body. And, and the decisions we make today, they're going to affect us down the road. And, and I just want him to think about that. Does that concern you at all? I mean, you know, we've we've had this movie out concussion with the NFL and 
you know, boxers, boxers take some punishment. Now, you probably haven't taken as much punishment as a lot of fighters because you, you, you have such great ring skills and, and you, you know how to, you know how to avoid punches, uh, you know, much, much along the lines of a Floyd Mayweather. But does that concern you at all that, uh, you know, you, you've seen a lot of, you've seen a lot of boxers retire and, Come back a few, two, three times, and then finally retire, and and never have, you know, and kind of kind of lose it mentally. Uh, does that concern you? Of course, no question. Of course, it's a concern. Um, it's always been a concern. I wouldn't say that it's a worry um, because I do feel like, you know, I still have time in this sport, and my personal belief is that you know God has me in this sport for you know a little while longer. I don't know how long that is. And I think the key for me personally and, and maybe for all fighters is just to know when to get out. And sometimes you don't always have that, you know, that opportunity to get out at the right time. I mean, obviously we've seen tragedies in the ring where they just happen and an individual was supposed to be in that fight. They were in their prime and then just, just one, one wrong punch. So uh, you don't always get that opportunity, but I don't believe I'm in this sport, you know, to be injured or, or to be maimed or to be, you know, unable to speak or walk when I'm done. It's just my personal belief, but I have to really be sensitive to, uh, to um, you know, make sure that I get out at the right time. And then also, you know, be aware of, you know, my mental health even while I'm active. And in boxing gyms and in the fight game in general, you know, mental health is, is taboo. Nobody talks about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I can get hit with a good punch in, in sparring or in a fight. And, 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 and I've just been, I've been trained and I've been groomed as a young fighter to not talk about it. Like it just, it it almost feels like it's a weakness to speak about it because if we show weakness in the ring then we have a problem. So, um, I've gotten my brain extensively looked at, you know, in the past and recently, you know, I feel like I have a good grip on where the state of my brain and the health of my brain. And, you know, I just try to do everything I can in terms of, um, you know, just keeping my brain right, you know, you know, just taking all the precautions that I can, to make sure that I'm, I'm I'm eating right, which is a big thing, and then also you know getting oxygen to the brain, just doing the, the possible thing, the, the things that I can do to keep my mental my mental health you know as, as, at its optimum. That's good. That's good. Andre, you were in Montreal for Kovalev's uh, win over Jean Pascal uh, last month. You've already beat some great fighters in Mikel Kessler and Carl Froch. What in particular does imp- impresses you about uh, Sergey Kovalev, and what unique challenges does he bring? Well, I don't see too many weaknesses right now. I think he's a uh, he's a confident fighter. You know, he's a mean fighter. Um, he's going in going in there to do damage, and uh, obviously he believes in his punch and his ability. And uh, he's a good boxer, so I don't really see too many weaknesses right now. I think he's uh, he, he's a champion, champion. And um, but 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 isn't this what this is about? You know, you, you shouldn't challenge a champion, you know, because you see you know a whole list or a whole slew of weaknesses. You know. Um, the Sugar Ray Leonard era, the Marvin Hagler's, you know, the Roberto Duran's, they went up against each other when you didn't know who was going to win. You could, it was a pick 'em situation. The, the arena was split, you know, pundits were split, writers were split, and that's how you know you have a great matchup and a, and a great fight when you don't know who's going to win the fight. Yeah, I actually ran a Twitter poll the other day, and we had about 500 votes, and you won. If who would win the fight, and you won 51 to 49, but that's pretty uh, telling of an awesome wow. fight. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I and I don't and I don't you know when I was younger you know it used to uh, it used to bother me a lot more if somebody didn't you know choose me or you know somebody spoke out against me I, I get it everybody's entitled to an opinion 
Um, I've seen a lot of opinion, at least heard of a lot of opinions as of late with me and Kovalev and what people think, and that's fine. Um, that It's not the first time I've been doubted, and, and it won't be the last. But the beautiful thing about you know, professional sports in general is that there's going to be a day when you can prove who's right and who's wrong. Well, one thing I don't think you get enough credit for is yeah, you're a very nice guy outside the ring, but you're very mean inside it, you know, mm. and uh, I think you're probably the best inside fighter in the game. And I think that's, you know, Kovalev hasn't fought that kind of style yet. Guy that can clinch him up on the inside and get his own punches off while disarming his offense. So uh, I can't wait to see the fight. Yeah, it should, should be, be a great, great matchup, man. It should be a yeah. great matchup. And I have to agree. Yes, I, I, I know how to flip the switch when it comes when it comes to getting in that ring. And, you know, I turn into a different individual. But that's just that's just competitiveness. You know, I, I don't know where it's come from. I, you know, I would have to say my father because he was the same way. But it's, it's almost like, you know, I don't, I'm trying to, you know, say it the right way. But, you know, something happens where, you know, there's something in you that says, I have to win this. It doesn't matter what you hit me with. Doesn't matter what happens, I have to win this. And hey, you, sometimes you can't win them all, but I'm certainly coming to try. Do you think? Do you think uh, that there there is uh, like a, a dearth of African American fighters in the sport? Would you like to see more more African American young young guys get into it? Like like just start boxing in general. Start boxing. Start boxing. I mean, there there seems you know I mean Mayweather's now retired and. And a lot of the, you know, I mean, back in the day, there was there was so many great African American fighters, and there's just not that many. There's there's a lot more uh, fighters coming from Europe, Eastern Europe, and and Mexico and stuff like that. Uh, why do you think that is? I don't know. I've I've never looked at it like that. I mean, I think that you know, I think there's a good amount of African American fighters that are that are fighting right now. Now. But who gets the press and who doesn't? Now that's a whole nother story. You know, that's a whole nother topic. I think, you know, there's, there's certainly a, a good amount of African American fighters. I mean, if you look at, you know, two guys like um, Peter Quillen and and Danny Jacobs, you know, and you talk about guys that are that are really really good fighters and you know great individuals, um, you know, good looking guys. They dress nice. You know, they they're, gr- mm-hmm. they're great representatives for the sport. And those guys don't get a lot of shine. They don't get a lot of publicity you know so it's it's things like that that i scratch my head about sometimes but i I think there's you know there's plenty of african-american fighters and and to be honest with you you know i don't think it's an african-american thing you know it's just i just love to see the sport thriving you know i appreciate you know the individuals coming from different countries you know coming to america you know america is, is the land of opportunity and for them to come uh, here and to make a name for themselves i think is a beautiful thing so uh you know i think it's room for everybody yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, I had the opportunity to spend the day with both uh, Danny and Peter um, before their fight, and they were great guys. And, you know, uh, I-, I wish there were more guys like them, uh, and such as yourself as well. But why did you pick Sullivan Barrera? Did it have anything to do with him, you know, trying to bait you on Twitter, or did you just think he was the best test for you to, to get ready? No, I don't, I, don't, I don't really pay attention to the Twitter stuff. I mean, you know, I got wind of it through some people, uh, on my team, you know, they, they monitor that kind of stuff. I, I don't, that stuff won't move me. I mean, if they, if they think that they're going to, you know, get any kind of, you know, pump any kind of fear or, or get me off my game. I mean, they're really, you know, barking up the wrong tree. They got to do a lot better than that. Um, no, we picked him because he was the best guy on the list. And, you know, he, he made some comments about, you know, being scared and this and that, and, you know, I said this in the, you know, conference call yesterday. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, the toughest guy on the block, but, 
I've been boxing over 20 years, man, and, and I'm not afraid of anybody, and I'm not going to start being afraid now. You know, there's nothing that he's done to make me fearful. You know, I've fought, you know, uh, fighters who, you know, you should be afraid of in my past, guys that were in their prime, champions, beating other champions. So he was the best guy on the list, and that's what he has to realize. You know, we, did, we chose him because he was the best guy on the list, and that's how, you know, that's how, you know, Verge thinks, and that's how I think. I mean, there's a place for tune-ups. There's a place for stay-busy fights, and, you know, there were lesser guys on the list, but we chose him because he's the guy that's going to get us ready. And I want to feel what a light heavyweight really feels like. So he's the guy. Interesting. Um, it, before we let you go, uh, Andre, I, I want—I did a story a few years ago on your relationship with Napoleon Kaufman, uh, the former Raiders running back and who was a pastor mm-hmm. of your church. Did you still have that relationship with uh, Napoleon? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm oh, yeah? still still a member of his church and, and um you know, he's a mentor, a father figure. You know, he's so many things. You know, he's my pastor. He's uh you know, I would honestly say when my, my wife and I we went to his church uh, November two thousand and four, shortly after the, the Olympics in August. And um mm-hmm. you know, it was a time where, you know, I was just searching, you know, me and my wife were searching and you know, we had a belief in God and we were, you know, definitely Christians, but we you know, we didn't have any stability. You know, we were trying to find our way and I don't know where, where where I would be personally, and I don't know where her and I would be, you know, as a couple, if we hadn't gotten rooted and grounded in that church and gotten the kind of guidance that we've gotten over the years. I, I owe a lot to Napoleon and, and his staff and, and, and all the people at that church. They've been, you know, just really lifesavers to us throughout, our, throughout you know, our lives. Did, did you lean on him at all during your, your long court battle and, and stuff like that when 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 you weren't you know you, you weren't able to fight and i mean did you did you and him talk a lot about that oh no question no question no question i mean he he's probably i probably had two opportun two two situations where and i still have it saved to my phone you know two two situations where i'd written retirement speeches um i just had enough at those at those points in time two separate moments and you know Virgil was an individual who who kind of talked me off the ledge, so to speak. My wife, and then also Napoleon. You know, he just, you know, he's got a way of of, of being profound, but I, but also being simple about it. You know, I would call him and say, "Man, I'm, uh, you know, I, I think it's over, man. Like I I can't keep going on like this. And 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 if I'm gonna go out, I'd rather go out on my terms." And he just laughed. He said, "Listen, it's not over yet." I said, "Well, what do you mean?" He said, "Man, you you got a lot of fight left in you, man." He says, "No way, it's over." And this is in the middle of everything going on, and I, I can't see what he sees. But he's got enough, you know, foresight and vision to say, listen, man, this is a season. He said, the only thing I'm concerned about is you getting through this the right way, not getting baited in the, you know, you know, just getting out of character or, or, or anything like that. He said, that's what I'm concerned about is your heart, man, and how you handle this situation. He said, God's going to bring you through this and, and um, you know, this is going to be a thing of the past. And, and he was right. Yeah. And, um. By the way, I saw that you, you and Sullivan are doing VADA testing, and, you know, that's very commendable. Um, did you have something you pushed for or something, you know, how did this come about? Yeah, I, I pushed for it. Um, you know, it's it's something that I thought, you know, would be a good thing. And, um, you know, it's something that I wanted to do, you know, probably a couple years ago. Um, but just one reason or another, it didn't happen. It is a process, and uh, you got to, you know, fill out an application. You have to go through a whole slew of things, but, you know, I just thought it was a, a great opportunity and, uh, it's not something that's easy to do. You know, it's a lot of work, you know, they can, they can knock on your door any time of day or night and you have to be prepared to give a, you know, give a sample whether it's urine or blood. And, and, you know, that's that, but I, I think it's needed, man. You know, it's scary 
you know, hearing about, you know, kind of just, you know, through back backdoor talk, if you will, just things that are out there and, and how quickly people can get them out of their systems. And, and by no means am I insinuating anything about him or his camp, but I'm saying mm-hmm. just generally speaking, like it, it just makes you think like, wow, you know, I don't ever want to be on the other side of a room. I mean, this sport is hard enough when everybody's being fair. So, um, you know, it's just good to know, you know, it's good to have that kind of testing in place. And, it, and it's, it's reasonably priced. It's not cheap by, by any means, but it's reasonable. And, and, and Margaret Goodman, she does a great job with the program. And, you know, I just appreciate her, you know, again, just having the desire and, and, and the wherewithal to get something like this started. I assume you'll do that for your, your uh, fight with Kovalev as well? You'll push yes, for the, the mm-hmm. full testing? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Well, Andre, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, today to talk to us. And uh, best of luck uh, in your fight with Sullivan Barrera and in the rest of your career. Thank you. I appreciate the time, guys. Okay, that should wrap it up for today. Thanks for joining us, and thanks to our guest, Andre Ward. Uh, Check out our Boxing Junkie podcast on iTunes, where you have to subscribe, and SoundCloud. Read our stories at boxingjunkie.usatoday.com, and follow us at Mike Coppinger and at Bob Vellin on Twitter.